My name is Dr. Nate Shannock. And my name is Merrick Egber. This is the official podcast of the Else for Autism Foundation for Autism. We call our podcast this because it's a play on our foundation's name. And Merrick and I are both terrible golfers. Well, we love how golf has become such a transformative tool to helping people with autism. When I'm not part of the podcast, I'm a member of our growing research team. And when I'm not part of the podcast, I'm the communications specialist, which is why you're hearing me right now. I'm also autistic. This is our 38th episode of the podcast, celebrating World Autism Month again with special guest Zachary Pike. I didn't even know that there were special diplomas after graduating from high school, and neither did he before having it given to him. He wrote a book called Regular, and as you will soon see, he was thrust into regular environments, but he took his chance to be more than regular, so make sure you listen to the interview on Part A of the podcast. Also on Part A is our Foundation News and Updates, where you will learn more about what we have been doing as a foundation, what we are doing, and what we will be doing. What we hope to do is to present news and updates about our foundation, interviews or feature stories that play a big role with us and with the community as a whole. Speaking of which, for Part B, listeners will get to hear our Today in the World of Autism segment, where we posit the news and current events reflective of the world we live in today. Also check our show notes for websites, resources, and other groovy things we would like to have on the written record for all of you for autism fans. And now, today in the world of autism, starting with Dr. Nate Chinock and his fantastic research-oriented topic. All right, we've got some very exciting stories today. And on Today in the World of Autism, I'd like to first start off by saying Happy World Autism Month. This is a very exciting month to be doing the podcast, and I'm feeling pretty confident that we'll be up for the challenge with these stories. So in March, the CDC's Autism and Developmental Disabilities Monitoring Network announced that the prevalence rate of ASD is now 1 in 36 children, and for the first time, reveals that higher prevalence rates among Black, Hispanic, and Asian or Pacific Islander children than white non-Hispanic children. While this report, which is based on data collected in 2020 from eight-year-old children across 11 communities in the United States, highlights a rise in the number of children diagnosed with ASD, the inclusion of children from diverse ethnic and racial backgrounds is a positive sign we are moving closer to a world with equitable access to diagnostic services and care for all individuals at risk for or with ASD. To determine ASD rates among children aged eight years, the ADDM network staff reviewed developmental evaluations and records from community medical and educational service providers. The team of researchers found that the ASD prevalence per 1,000 children aged eight years ranged from 23.1% in Maryland to 44.9% in California, 
with the overall ASD prevalence being 27.6 per 1,000 or one in 36 children. The study also revealed that ASD is 3.8 times as prevalent among boys as among girls. That is consistent with prior renditions of this report. Overall, ASD prevalence was lower among non-Hispanic white children and children of two or more races than among non-Hispanic Black or African-American, Hispanic, and non-Hispanic Asian or Pacific Islander children. ASD prevalence among non-Hispanic American Indian or Alaska Native children was similar to that of other racial and ethnic groups. However, the study also revealed that ASD prevalence was associated with a lower household income at three sites, with no association at the other eight sites. The median age of the earliest known ASD diagnosis was 49 months, or just over four years old, and ranged from 36 months in California to 59 months in the state of Minnesota. Because California had the earliest age of diagnosis and highest prevalence, I was curious, and so I investigated the state rank of professionals certified in developmental behavioral pediatrics per 100,000 children ages 0 to 17 presented from the American Board of Pediatrics. Interestingly, several states ranked higher on this list than California, including New Jersey, Arkansas, and Maryland. And so the significance of that finding is that we cannot simply, we cannot simply attribute the youngest mean age of diagnosis in California to there being a higher prevalence of pediatricians in that state because there were several states that ranked higher, including New Jersey, Arkansas, and Maryland. So that was one of the, the noteworthy findings that I took away from this report. Merrick, do you have some thoughts to offer on these trends? Okay, let me uh, put on my professor's hat, or maybe my scientific researcher hat. Um, so. Not that many people know uh, this fact about me, but I was born and uh, grew up in the state of Maryland, which is uh, very, very interesting. And uh, I've uh, uh, actually one of my uh, first friends, supposedly, in the townhouse that I uh was that I lived for like one and a half years um and then uh went to preschool and everything in, in Baltimore County um he had uh ASD too so um that that's uh interesting but I think that it's a really good sign that uh that the uh diagnose uh that the prevalence rate in a way uh maybe is catching up to the real numbers of uh of ASD di diagnoses 
um, because uh, many different uh, minority groups um, have found it more difficult to get an ASD diagnosis. So that's uh, really, really good to basically uh, have have a greater uh, reality of uh, of the ASD diagnosis. Um, it's uh, and also um, I believe that I read um about it a while ago but uh new jersey is supposed to have one of the densest populations um uh in, in terms of the number of people with asd um i'm really not that sure why i'm actually really not that sure why these states um are uh outliers in, in regards um but uh if i may can, sorry yeah. to interrupt if i may interject one point on that discussion new jersey i, I did mention a few states being higher than California as far as the pediatricians that are available per 100,000 children. And New Jersey was one of those states. And to be fair, California is still very high on the list. And that is the state with the highest prevalence of any. But what 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 are your theories? What would you say are your theories about why uh, California has, as you said, the earliest age of diagnosis and highest and highest prevalence? Well, I think at least part of it could be attributed to there being more pediatricians and developmental behavioral experts in that state compared to most other states throughout the country. And also the fact that it had the youngest mean age of diagnosis at 36 months. My theory is that it would allude to there being skilled pediatricians there and maybe pediatricians that are more aware of the the risk factors and the symptoms for for ASD so that that's one possibility yeah i uh i uh, uh it, it's it's interesting because it keeps on going up um but i i believe that um it's really about um zeroing in on the target and and knowing uh more and more information research um the 
diagnostic canon, I guess you can say. Um, I um, it's a it's a very very interesting report. Yeah, it really is, and I just also like to point out that. In the 2022 report, the prevalence was one in 44 children in the United States. So we've seen a pretty sharp increase over the last year to where it's now one in 36. And we touched on this earlier, but it really does speak to the increase in autism awareness, as well as the number of trained pediatricians that are attuned to some of the risk factors and are able to make diagnoses earlier and earlier. And once again, this was the first time that the number of children of other racial backgrounds, uh, the rates of autism in, in amongst Black, Hispanic, and Asian or Pacific Islander children actually exceeded uh, white non-Hispanic children. So that was this was the first time that's happened. And a major positive that we could take away from that is that in reality, it's it's likely suggesting that some of the underserved um, populations or maybe populations in lower socioeconomic areas are now having better access to to pediatricians and to, um, you know, tools and, and resources. So that that's definitely a positive to take away from this. Yeah. And uh, as uh, I guess I can say that uh, um, our foundation really uh is emphasizing the underserved uh communities that that uh make up uh the autism community and so with this report um gives a full ringing endorsement to basically get out there and to uh uh help everyone um, basically have a greater sense of equitability with, uh, with the autism community as a whole. Yeah, that's really well said. And you're absolutely right. The foundation offers our caddy program and also just so many events around the community to try to engage everybody. And, you know, the foundation is always opening its doors for, um, for people to come and learn and also to have access to um, different services to help just improve quality of life and just help with employment opportunities so the, in many ways, you know, a, lo a lot of people will look at this report and they'll be concerned about the increase in prevalence. And, you know, they'll ask questions about um, the, the influence of, of technology or the, the influence of um, 
you know, just any environmental factor and how that's contributing to this prevalence. But, you know, to see to see a difference this sharp in a year's time, it's not going to be reflective of some kind of major change uh, in the human race, but rather it's it's more reflective of there being a lot more awareness around autism and um, people having more access to, to quality care. So I'll now pass it on to Merrick Egber and his scintillating story about his interests today. Okay. And I just want to uh, basically say um, that for uh, Dr. Chinock's story, uh, for maybe more information on our findings, please check, please check the show notes. Okay, so my story is what autism means to me. I would like to have happen a candid statement about what autism means to me. Certainly, as the statement goes, you've only met one person with autism, but that can be reflective of everything. Certainly, I am one person with an opinion. I don't like to sugarcoat things or to be what some of my peers uh, can consider ableist, nor to take pity on examples of people who have been successful who have been able to turn their hyper-focuses, who have been able to tame their executive functioning, and who have expressed themselves with such poise that it is able to concoct such value. Autism is a double-edged sword. While certain things in my life I would not change, my passion, my interests, and hobbies, there are things that are immutable that have made it harder for me whether I get nervous around loud crowds, and sometimes the less I am able to verbally communicate, the better. Along with not usually frequenting uh, bars and clubs, I'm not antisocial. I prefer to sometimes think of it as asocial, which is sometimes where my comfort zone is. I find writing song lyrics to be an escape, to be a point of pride. I don't know if there is a pathway for this, but I like writing about depressive moods, absent-mindedness, mental illness, OCD, and loneliness. I also really like to sing to myself in years past. I would self-regulate by singing. For the next part in May, I will delve even more deeply into Mental Health Awareness Month about the more difficult side of my life, and I will preview the songs that I would incorporate as part of my playlist and explain why they exist on there. So, my question to you, Dr. Shinnok, is, um, and this is, comes from uh, the interview that we did uh, a few months ago, I believe it was in February, where uh, I believe that Doreen Camerata uh, talked about uh, a playlist what four songs would you include on your playlist that you would share with the world uh that that you would say that uh you are who you are for those songs being listed well this is 
what we would refer to on radio as, you know, a hot seat kind of question. Uh, before I, I give my answer to that and, and also to give myself a little bit of time to, to come up with some songs, you know, I, I want to commend you, Merrick, for being so honest, you know, in, in your story here about some of your, your tremendous strengths and also some of the things that you struggle with, you know, um, we have a saying in the field of psychology that if you can name something, you can tame it. And, you know, that really means that that's really meant to promote acceptance, uh, first and foremost, but also, you know, um, to be open about issues with mental health is, you know, by expressing that courage, you're opening up the floor to other people to also acknowledge issues that they may be going through and to just feel that much less lonely because they know that somebody else out there who has all these cool talents and, you know, hosts a, a really famous and well-known podcast uh, could also struggle with these issues. So, you know, I want to thank you as always for that. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to, we've got mental health awareness next month. So I'm sure uh, we'll talk, talk a lot more about this, but yeah, I, I think I've, uh, I've probably bought myself enough time here to come up with a playlist. Uh, so first and foremost, so four songs, um, Okay, so number one would be Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. It's just a, an incredibly positive song. You know, it's a song you can you can go to even on even on days that are difficult, or you know, if you feel like you you came up a little bit short in your endeavors on that day, it's just you know, a good tune brings a lot of positivity. I would also go with um, Bob Marley's Could You Be Loved. It's a song that makes its way onto almost all of my playlists. It just has a really nice beat. And it's very nice to listen to on a relaxing Sunday if you're at the beach or you know, playing some tennis, as I like to do. Number three. Let's see. I've always um, really enjoyed the song Black by Pearl Jam. I know it's a, a little bit of a, of a, of a darker song, um, but the lyrics are really beautiful and they're one of my favorite bands. So I would I would put that on there. And then let's see. Wow, this is such this is such a tough exercise. This is probably the this has got to be the hardest part of my day so far. There is a song by Cream called Anyone for Tennis. <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
Do you warm? Do you uh, uh, warm up for tennis uh, with any songs? Okay, that's a that's a good one. Oh, um, I would go with the song "Outro" by M eighty three. It's it's not not going to be a very well known song, but um, it's called "Outro" again by M eighty three. You've probably heard it in a lot of commercials. It's kind of like the ultimate song for uh, a conclusion or for the end of the day. Um, it's very spacey and it's it's kind of like a rock opera song. So that that's a great pump up song for me also. All right, so I, I got through four there. I feel like it would have been easier to come up with a list of 10, to be honest. So can I put you on the spot now, Merrick? Well, I uh, said that I would preview the songs. Um, okay. Well, I guess <laughs> that I can do it because I uh, had this exercise done to me for four songs. I would put down there Eleanor Rigby um it's really a sad depressing song but it's empathetic mm -hmm. I would put down on there uh, Tears of a Clown because sometimes I like to be the life of the party but inside I'm miserable um a third song is any world that i'm welcome to by steely dan um any world that i'm welcome to is better than the world i come from and i i kind of feel like that's my uh feeling in itself um i actually if i pass away i would want that to be played at my funeral hmm. um the fourth song is Get Away by Georgie Fame. Um, and it's just basically a travel song. It's really, really good. And it's just, you know, getting away, traveling. Um, the, the spirit of travel and adventure. So I, uh, I, I really, really like those four songs. Um, there's a lot of songs that would uh, define me or that I would claim to be my favorites, but uh, those four songs would be uh, really, really good. Um, so uh, I, I, sorry. Yeah, you did a great job with that exercise and also tying the songs in with your personality traits and and um the different the wide range of feelings that you have yeah okay well i'll uh close the program with uh thank you for listening to the world autism of special episode of the program and a special thanks for zachary pike to take time off for his busy schedule to be interviewed for May, we are celebrating Mother's Day and Mental Health Awareness Month, and we have a very, very special guest coming up to help celebrate Mother's Day. 
What a way to show appreciation for our mothers and to check in on our mental health, too. As it is, we would like to thank our listenership and the foundation who helps support our efforts on the For Autism podcast. And I wish that I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high. Oh, like a butterfly A moth is a butterfly without any colors But what's beautiful is what's inside Maybe a moth is just a butterfly trying to hide Well, I'm just a caterpillar crawling around Knowledge in my head but my feet on the ground Soon I'll be like an angel in the sky Like a butterfly I wish that I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. Like a bird, I was meant to soar. I will fly through the sunlight and even when it pours. You can't stop me when I get a hold of the wind. In the future, your eyes will light up. I was once a poor caterpillar who grow up and take to the sky like a flock of butterflies. I wish I could fly so high, oh like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, just like a butterfly. I'm a butterfly